Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show that is so bad it blows worse than a blustery day in Chicago. Now I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine, coming to you the, uh, well, I've been home a day, a full day from the uh, big Chicago pipe show. So in pipe parts, we will have a uh, my trip report of the Chicago pipe show. And then my guest is uh, pipe maker Josh Whitehead, who will be a new name to a lot of you. Uh, music based on being in Chicago, mailbag, and rant. All that coming up on this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. All right, uh, let's start this off with uh, saying we'll get the JDRF auctions kicked off for this year. So if you have an item that you would like to donate to the JDRF auctions, please get it to me in the next three to four weeks. You can email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. Or uh, bl.levine at hotmail.com. Let me know what you got and uh, appreciate everything that you guys can donate. So we'll start gathering those up. Uh, Also, if you want to go back into the archives uh, and listen to all of the episodes of the Pipes Magazine radio show, you can do that by subscribing on Apple Podcast or... You can go back onto pipesmagazine.com because Kevin has worked his little tail off and has all those up there and ready to go for you. So you can go all the way back to the beginning and uh, see how bad the show really was back at the beginning. But um, anyway, there's a lot of a uh, lot of history there, a lot of information there, and a lot of stuff that uh, you know that we've covered in the past, and we'll probably cover it again. So go all the way back and do that. And uh, finally, on uh, Pipes Magazine, if you are a pipe restoration, pipe cleaner person, pipe uh, uh, refurbisher, whatever you want to call yourself, uh, go on to the forums there. There's a posty note there with, uh, on the uh, restoration and repair thread in the forums, and you can put your name in there for free and put your address in there and your email and all that stuff. And uh, if you're looking to have your pipes restored or refurbished, you can go check that out. All right, let's get the show rolling. So everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in. And here we go. There's nothing quite like fishing at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe. An American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. Hi. I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell & Deal. We know pipe smoking is a personal journey. That's why our small team of blending and production experts take a personal approach in every step, preparing tobacco products just for you. We source top quality leaf through the personal connections we've made around the world, hand blend that leaf, and carefully package each tin. Each product, from special releases like our small batch line, to our most popular mixtures like Autumn Evening are made right here in South Carolina by professionals dedicated to providing the finest of smoking experiences. Lighting up a pipe is an exploration through evolving flavors, thoughts, memories, and even dreams. From our hands to yours, Cornell & Deal tobaccos are your passport for that voyage, 
provided by people who, like you, value the journey. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. All right, trip report. So here we go. Um, I looked ahead at the weather, and the weather was going to be typical for Chicago. So there was a couple of nicer afternoons, and then, boy, there were some cold nights. And uh, what you're hearing in my voice is being out in the smoking tent on cold nights. So uh, I arrived on Wednesday. The smoking tent had opened a couple hours earlier, got checked into the hotel. The hotel was really sweet and put me in, you know, uh, got me into the room early, gave me a great room with a little walkout patio. And I have to say, you know, I've traveled around the world a lot. And uh, that that shower had some of the best hot water and hot water pressure of any shower I've been in. So shout out to the Marriott's uh, showers. Um, and then by Wednesday afternoon, there was already, you know, two or three tables of us gathering in the smoking tent and it expanded to, uh, even more than that. Yeah. So there's probably about 30 or 40 of us that had arrived on Wednesday and were hanging out in the smoking tent. Uh, the highlight of the smoking tent for me was, uh, two, was two things. One I'll mention now, uh, was, uh, Tim's tobacco table where he had, I'm going to guess about 75 different blends open for anybody to try. And you could also put your tobaccos on there and just leave them open for anybody to try. So I got to try a few things that I hadn't had before. And um, one of them I really enjoyed. <laughs> uh, the, the other ones I didn't enjoy so much. Um, and the one that I did enjoy, well, it's a limited edition. It was Epiphany. So, you know, sorry. I uh, can't get it anymore. Uh, so that was Wednesday, hung out in the smoking tent. On uh, Thursday, uh, the smoking tent fired up bright and early, and I had a few people that I had to gather with and meet with. And then on uh, Thursday night, I was invited to uh, uh, go out to dinner with uh, Steve Norris of Vermont Freehand. So that was that was nice. Went and had tacos, hung out with a good group of people. And then uh, Thursday night was a uh, cocktail party and got to go to that and then uh, spent thursday night finishing it off in the smoking tent friday was the uh get up early and go to the swap and sale and it was uh by friday i realized that attendance was way up from last year from the pipe show because the smoking tent was full the swap and sale was almost full and sold out and there were people pouring outside and it was nice to sit outside in the sun and smoke a pipe and hang out uh, bought one uh, one little uh, estate pipe at the uh, at the swap and sale, and uh, wandered around and got to see a lot of people. Lots of conversations about the uh, Las Vegas International Pipe Show, and uh, then you know spent the afternoon just kind of hanging out and wandering around and smoking. And then Friday night was uh, another dinner that I got invited to, and it was with the crew from uh, SmokingPipes.com. So I got to spend uh, sitting around with uh, Jeff Grasick and uh, Alex Florov and his wife Vera at dinner. It was a lot of fun. Then back to the completely packed smoking tent with over 300 people inside the tent smoking a pipe until the uh, until they threw us out at midnight. <laughs> and uh, the highlight of Friday night was that I got to be 
I got back in time to watch the, or before we went to dinner, I got to watch the Battle of the Briar, which was a uh, an event that you can find on YouTube. And it was three pipe makers with one hour to finish off a pre-drilled pipe. Just a great event. So if you get a chance, do find that on YouTube and watch it. Well worth it. I hope they do it again. And again, I got to watch it sitting in the smoking tent and puffing away. And then off to dinner we went. So, you know, just absolutely wonderful. Uh, Saturday morning, thanks to Dave for getting up early, early. I got into the uh, into the showroom at about 930. We set up our table. And then uh, Dave spent more time at the table than I did. But I wanted to walk around and visit with people and say hi. Uh, this year's show... Well, I will say was, yeah, the mood was much better. The attendance was much better than last year. It had the feeling of an old Chicago pipe show. Uh, still a little lower, you know, smaller than what it had been in, uh, you know, 10, 15 years ago. But, hey, you know, it was still a great pipe show. And the mood was wonderful amongst everybody. Lots of uh, lots of activities going on. I did, you know, I missed Fred Hanna's discussion on nicotine because I was busy doing other stuff. Uh, and again, just, you know, a lot of back and forth. And then by five o'clock, it was time to shut down the show. And then I went to went back to the room, sat down for a little bit and then went off to the uh, Chicago feast. Also, where they announced the Doctors of Pipes. And uh, this year's winners of Doctors of Pipes for the industry was Tom Eltang. And for the hobby was uh, Scott Thiele for his work on Pipepedia for all these years. The Masters of Pipes was uh, James Foster on the hobby side. And then uh, the guy that I like to call Nate the King of Pipes, although we have a new nickname for him, but we won't say that publicly. Uh, but Nate the King of Pipes for the... Uh, Nate King of Nate King Pipes for the uh, for the industry side, uh, and then again back to the uh, back to the smoking tent for Saturday night. Uh, Sunday they opened up the show floor at nine a.m., which I don't understand why they have to do that. But anyway, we we're back down there at eight forty-five. Got the table ready, and by one o'clock they had started the pipe smoking competition. So the we Dave and I kind of packed up and went out to the tent. Um, it was then that I was going to start, that I was going to do some five-minute recordings with people just to get their summaries of the Chicago Pipe Show and play them for you. But I got sat down at such a good group with such a good group of people, and we were enjoying the pipe smoking competition going on, and we were just enjoying the conversation. And then the tent was full, and the weather outside turned even nastier for Chicago with rain and sideways stuff and cold that I couldn't record outside and the noise was too loud inside the tent from all the people. And I was having such a good time. I thought, you know what? Well, you know, if you want to see what it's like at a Chicago pipe show, just start planning on next year, the first weekend in May. So there you go. And then uh, Sunday night I, uh, I flew home and uh, got delayed by two hours. And instead of getting home at a little bit before midnight, we didn't get back in the house until 3 a.m. So yeah, I was tired yesterday. All right, there you go. Uh, Chicago Pipe Show 2023. Uh, start making your plans first weekend in May for next year. I am definitely going to be there and looking forward to it. Uh, thanks to all the guys at the Chicago Pipe Show that put on the show. 
just a just a, a great feeling and a great mood this year and uh, well run so congratulations all right in just a moment my conversation with josh whitehead this is internet radio for over 150 years peterson has welcomed all pipe smokers it's the preferred choice of the thinking man and the everyman alike and our workshop too is a place of hospitality and warmth Hi, I'm Glenn Whelan, and for me, Peterson is a family tradition I've known since my childhood. My dad, Tony Whelan Jr., worked at Peterson for 53 years and has been my home since 2003. From sweeping our factory on a Saturday morning, to managing our store, to now steering our international distribution, I've seen the craftsmanship poured into each Peterson pipe. It lives in Jason's discerning eye as he handcrafts our silver accents, and in Wojciech's able hands as he carves our rustications. It abides in Willie's grading and in Warren's papering. Peterson has welcomed us as contributors to its legacy. And it's a welcome we always extend to you. Cade Mielefolge, 100,000 welcomes, wherever you come from, whosoever you be. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show and joining us is uh, hobbyist. Part-time pipe maker, full-time Floridian, and uh, somebody who uh, somebody who's got a big beard. And I want to find out about big beards in Florida because that's got to be a little messy. But uh, Josh Whitehead, welcome to the Pipes Magazine Radio Show. Yeah, thank you very much. All right, so let, let's get to know you. You grew up in Florida, born and raised, and all that stuff. Uh, actually, not born and raised here. Uh, born in Delaware, but moved here probably before i was one so i only know florida (laughs) so you were actually born in the flat or the lowest elevation state in the country and moved to florida which is i believe second (laughs) yeah both states that flood very well yeah yeah all right so uh where exactly in florida are you so I'm actually in Newport Ritchie, uh, Trinity area. So we're kind of north of Clearwater. Everybody's going to know it kind of close to Tampa Bay area, basically. Yeah. And exactly due east of Disney, uh, due, due west of Disney world. Correct. Yeah. Where I might know it. So, all right. So growing up there, what did you want to be when you grew up and have you grown up? <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah. Um, honestly, I, I never really had anything that really was something that, you know, oh, I'm definitely going to do that. Um, I'm kind of the type of person that likes to try a little bit of everything. Um, I've always been a creative person, more on the artistic side on things, which is, you know, I really get that from my parents. Um, you know, my dad worked a normal full-time job, but he was always into our work and creating things. And that really kind of rubbed off, I guess. So, you know, I work a regular type of job full-time. Um, and this just kind of spun out of curiosity and I've stuck with it now, I guess going on about 10 years now. So how did, how did pipe smoking come into your life? Um, to be honest, it was one of those, I, I started, I really took a break from artwork and stuff in general, probably by the time I was, uh, 
junior or senior in high school, I kind of stopped all of it. Um, you know, I worked from the time I was 15 and went to school uh, and then went to college afterwards. So artwork kind of took a back seat, and I didn't start back into it until probably early 2000s. Um, I think I was working on something. I don't remember what it was for, but I was working on a piece of antler. It kind of looked like a pipe. You know, I said, <laughs> eh, you know, I wonder if I could turn this into a pipe. I, you know, just played around with it. And then that pretty much started the bug for me. Um, I made it just as something to kind of look at. And as soon as I was done with that, then I kind of had the itch to, uh, you know, try and learn as much as I could. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm someone that actually works in it. It's a weird fit for me. Uh, you would never look at me and go, Oh yeah, he works in it. Yeah. But I really kind of enjoyed digging into things and figuring it out for myself. So that was kind of part of the curiosity with the pipe making, um, <laughs> you know, started doing that first one, then really got the itch to just keep going. And, uh, the pipe community is pretty amazing. There's a lot of very helpful people out there. So I've really stuck with it and just kind of enjoyed it. So back up for me a minute. You didn't smoke a pipe before you started making one. You just got inspired by an antler. Yeah, I, I kind of worked in reverse. I, uh, I didn't really start smoking the pipe until after I was making them. <laughs> um, I love it. <laughs> Yeah, you know, they got a little bit of criticism for that at first, uh, you know, because, oh, well, you don't even smoke a pipe. I just never had, um, you know, and then, of course, I started to appreciate it, and then I have ever since. You know, it's it's Florida. It's hot here. It's not something I do every day, um, but it's it's a nice hobby. I enjoy it. It's something, especially when I'm with friends, you know, it's something that's uh, – more of a social thing for me and I really enjoy it. I, I was going to ask, does it help keep the mosquitoes down? But, uh, I don't think <laughs> no. anything keeps the mosquitoes in Florida down. No. And we're in Florida. So we have more than just biting mosquitoes, you know, yeah. yellow flies, no CMs, you name it. Anything that wants to bite you here will. You, you have flying things that when they hit you in the head, you get a concussion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty accurate. All right, so you so you had that piece of antler, you made a couple of pipes, did you and then you reached out to other people and started getting some ideas on on wait, what am I doing? Uh, pretty much, you know, you know, it's one of those you start out and you think, "Oh, well, it's I pretty much know this. It's a hole that connects to another hole and that's pretty much it." You know, little did I know how much is involved with everything. Um, I really kind of lucked out by being able to reach out to a few people that were established makers, uh, that just happened to be, you know, also very friendly people that kind of pointed me in the right direction on some things. And, uh, you know, I still appreciate the fact that they didn't just blow me off <laughs> and kind of send me on my way. Um, there's some just really great people in the pipe smoking community. Had you done woodworking or anything like that before? Did you have equipment already, or did you, or, or did you have to figure out the equipment as well? 
Uh, so I actually, my grandfather, I grew up really close to my grandparents. Um, my grandfather, you know, back in the day worked for DuPont. Uh -huh. He was really kind of a hands-on sort of guy. Um, you know, I would go over there with him and he'd say, okay, well, today we're, you know, we're basically building the shed and we're going to frame it out and do all this stuff. And I would help him with it. Um, he really is the person that got me into woodworking in general. Um, he's kind of, I think really what pushed me to get into this. I didn't know him smoking a pipe growing up because he had already stopped by the time really that we were coming around. Yeah. Uh, but later I found out he also had smoked a pipe, uh, back when he was in world war two, uh, and had done that afterwards as well. So to me, that was kind of a cool connection. You know, unfortunately, he never got to see me actually making pipes. Uh, but I know he would really appreciate it. But uh, as far as the equipment's concerned, no. Again, <laughs> I started things backwards. I uh, My first house was pretty small. Uh, it was just a single car garage. So when I started out, I really had just a cheap drill press. Uh, and basically hand tools. And that's how I started out. Um, you know, a file, some sandpaper, hand saws, you know, you name it, pretty much anything just very primitive was what I started out with, which I mean, you know, honestly, I don't regret it. Um, it was one of those to show me how difficult it would really be to start out that way. And then over time, I really started building up all of my equipment, uh, you know, to have a, a halfway decent lathe and better actual lathe chisels and stuff to use. And, uh, you know, I really, I've either purpose built things for myself that I would need to use, or I've gotten things that would kind of be things I knew would speed up processes. So now I have a, a pretty good, uh, collection of stuff, you know, to be able to do everything I need to. And so how does that, so I'm guessing you're working full time the whole time. And then this is your fun money that you're pouring into this, uh, new obsession hobby thing. Yeah, that's correct. I mean, and to be honest, <clears throat> excuse me, um, you know, making money on it is not really there <laughs> necessarily. I mean, yeah. So, yeah. make a little bit of money here and there. Uh, but most of the time, anything I'm making, it turns around and goes right back into materials. Um, so, you know, it's one of those, I, I never went into this thinking, Oh, I'm going to, you know, make a career out of this, or I'm going to become wealthy off of this. It's just something that I enjoy. And I really take pride in my work. You know, I put my stamp on it. It's my name. You know, it's, <laughs> So yeah. to me, that means a lot. If I'm putting it out there, I want to make sure it's the best thing I can put out there. And it's got to be a great release from doing IT stuff all day long where you're just, you know, looking at a screen. Oh, for sure. You know, you do the same things over and over again, pretty much. And there is no kind of, to me at least, there's not a satisfaction at the end of the day. Like, yes, I might solve some problems and, you know, I, I did this and I, I moved this widget and did whatever, but it's very different than I took this block of material and a chunk of rod stock 
And by the end of the day, I've got something that's now, to me, would be a useful piece of artwork. Yeah. So it's just the satisfaction of, you know, there's something tangible here that I've created versus a day of sitting at a computer. <laughs> and making a thing flash off and on. Uh, we're going to take exactly. a we're going to take a break right here. When we come back, we'll have more with Josh, including a discussion about big beards because I'm jealous. So uh, stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. Take a look at your pipe rack. Are all those briars and mirrors constant companions in your rotation, or are there some that you gravitate to more than others? Are there some that you simply don't smoke anymore? Through SmokingPipes.com's estate trade program, you can transform those underused pipes into immediate cash or store credit. Just send us your pipes and we'll unpack, inspect, and evaluate them based on extensive market research and over 20 years of experience. Then we'll contact you with a detailed offer for your choice of cash or store credit, valid on any items in our vast selection of pipes, tobacco, cigars, and accessories. If you're not happy with our quote, we'll return your pipes free of charge to domestic addresses. It's that simple. Join the thousands of Smoking Pipes customers who have benefited from this program and start your trade today by contacting us at 888-366-0345. That's 888-366-0345. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show visiting with uh, Florida pipe maker Josh Whitehead and his bird in the background. Oh, we couldn't get the bird to do it on cue. Darn it. Uh, but Josh, before we before we get back into pipe making, you've got a big beard and I can't grow a beard, but I'm just wondering, is that beard a problem in Florida where it's hot, humid, and uh, do you ever just find stuff living in it randomly? <laughs> living in it not so much um you know working in the yard and having different types of stickers and that sort of thing get caught in it oh uh, yeah yeah for sure <laughs> um honestly it's kind of partially laziness partially <laughs> just to see if i could grow one initially um i always worked the jobs where you had to be clean shaven so for the longest time i didn't have an option to even try to do anything. And then when I did finally work at a job that didn't mind if we had facial hair, started growing it out and then kind of went, eh, let's just let it keep going. <laughs> um, it did drive me nuts initially because it's, it does get to kind of a point where it is itchy and will drive you insane. And then once it got beyond that point, I've just kept it and I've had one. God, I guess it's been, since probably, uh, I guess around 2005 or so, I've had it for quite some time. Does it get all sweaty and matted down in the from the sweat in the summertime in there in Florida? Uh, not really, you know. And it's one of those. It's just like if I had hair on my head, I could say maintenance, like it is hair on your head. But it's uh, it's just like hair on your head. Just keep it clean, keep it brushed. <laughs> And I don't really have any issue with it. All right, I'll stop. I'll I'll, I'll stop fascinating over your uh, over your beard. <laughs> I promise. Um, so now, how many pipes a year or so do you make? Is it 
<laughs> do, do you have a goal or do you just kind of wake up on a weekend and say, I'm going to go make a pipe today? Uh, I never really have a goal in mind with it for, you know, oh, I'm going to make X amount of pipes this year. Um, I definitely had a few years when we were at my last house that pretty much every available bit of time I had, I was in my garage working on making pipes. Um, you know, and I was making the one or two, maybe three, four within a weekend. Um, you know, it really depends too, because sometimes if you've looked through what I do, I started kind of teaching myself how to carve too. Yeah. So I got into the whole thing with making, you know, like anatomical skull type pipes and that sort of thing. Um, which unfortunately with the way my mind works, once I get started on one, I kind of obsess over it. <laughs> so that would be something I'd literally start early in the morning before it got too terribly hot out. I'd basically not eat anything all day and sit out and work on it until the evening time. And eventually my wife would come out and go, are you planning on coming in and like actually eating or doing anything today? <laughs> hey, do you, so, hey, do you remember me? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I don't really have a goal in mind with it. Um, honestly, at this point, I've kind of learned from years of doing this that if I'm not feeling it, I'm not even going to touch my tools uh, because I've gone out there and tried to force myself before to make something just because. And inevitably something gets screwed up or I end up basically wasting material. So at this point, if I get an idea that I want to run with or, you know, it just happens to come to me in the evening time, I'll draw out my idea and then I'll kind of sit on it and figure out, you know, do I think I can make that happen? And if so, I'll pick out a block and pretty much start on it that weekend. Um, you know, the last example of that was really the kind of crazy, more cartoonish type skull pipe that I made. <laughs> and it was just one of those. I got the idea. It sat in a notebook for a couple of weeks. And then I finally said, all right, I'm going to make this one. And uh, all the carving and everything for it, pretty much I had done in a day. And then it was just kind of finish work the next day. Um, and, you know, it was done within a weekend. So what you're talking about is the difference of what, why I like part-time or hobbyist pipe makers. It's you make a pipe when you want to and when you're enthused about it, as opposed to some, as opposed to full-time pipe makers who, you know, there's times when you're not feeling it. And you, if you're a full-time pipe maker, you got to get in there and make a pipe because otherwise you don't get any money for, you know, like food or other things. Exactly. And, you know, part of me would love to do it full time. Um, but I also enjoy the freedom of I can make that decision that if I really don't feel like doing it today, that it's just best I don't. Um, you know, and I'm the same way with commission work. Mm -hmm. I've had people pitch ideas at me that, you know, sounds like a cool idea, but it's just not something that's for me. <laughs> I will tell them. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's just not something I'm interested in making. You know, it sounds like a very cool idea, 
I might point them in the direction of somebody else I know that I know would be cool with making that. But it really is one of those. If I don't feel it and they give me the idea and I am not immediately itching to do it, I just turn it down. Um, I kind of enjoy that freedom of being able to just make the decision if I truly want to make it or not. And that is a, I mean, that's a freedom that comes, you know, that allows you to play artist and whenever you want to. Exactly. You know, and again, coming from more of a art background, uh, drawing, sculpting, you know, teaching myself to carve. It's just one of those that I want to keep on making sure that I enjoy it and never want to get to that point where I just don't enjoy it anymore. Yeah. So that's why I've kind of stuck with what I've been doing. Um, you know, recently there was a weekend I decided I had two blocks I had squared up, had put them away probably before we moved, which had been a couple of years prior. <laughs> um, they had been sitting there, kept on staring at them. And then finally we had a, a nice cooler day here in Florida and I decided it was time to make them. So I made two pipes, you know, pretty much that day and, uh, was happy to have them finally done. And the blocks no longer sitting there taunting me <laughs> off the to-do list with you suckers. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, you know, obviously the weather in Florida and if you're if you're working out in a garage that's not air conditioned, that will cause you know, cause your give you bodily limits on when you can and can't work, but uh does the weather also kind of affect the briar? Do you have to do you want to age and cure your briar blocks a little bit longer than some other people would? Uh, probably. I mean, and I, that is a concern too. Anytime I'm working on one, um, it's not been too bad here right now, but of course we start hitting summertime. We really get into high humidity. Yeah. Um, a lot of times if it's something I'm going to work on, if I want to make sure that nothing's going to tighten up on me, you know, I don't want to tend to end up over tight after it's done because it, some of the moisture comes out of it. So I will stick them in the house you know, make sure what I'm working with is going to be kind of a little less humidity. Um, but it's never really that bad uh, with where I store my stuff at. But it definitely gets hot. I do not have a air-conditioned garage. Yeah. Um, that would be something that would be awesome. <laughs> but I just can't justify the cost for that. So the Instagram is Whitehead's Art W-H-I-T-E. H E A D S A R T and lots of classical shapes that you do, including pretzels, which are making me hungry. So I'm going to stop looking at that one. <laughs> uh, but in addition to the classical shapes, I mean, there's a straight bamboo skeleton and instead of rotating the head and smoking through the top of the cranium, you put the bowl through one of <laughs> one of the eyeballs. <laughs> uh, exactly. That uh, was that one idea that I had that I, once I got the idea, yeah. I just kind of had to make it. Yeah. I mean, that is hysterical. So you get to smoke the eye out of a skeleton, but 
and again, you're you're just self trained from that. No no classical training on how to sculpt and make a one a bigger eyed skeleton. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just going to no. keep laughing over it for a while here. No, um, I like I said, I'm self taught on all this. Um, the kind of the 3D excuse me, the 3D kind of sculptural type of pipes are one of those that I really enjoy. But I also obsess over because I will be trying to sleep. And in my sleep, I'm thinking of how I need to lay it out, what I'm going to have to take away, and how I'm going to basically make that turn out properly. Yeah. And pretty much every time I make one of those, it starts out with a great idea. Then I hate it. <laughs> uh, because I'm, I'm not seeing it, you know, coming along the way I think it's going to get a little bit further into it and I started seeing, Oh, okay. Yeah, there it is. And then eventually, you know, I'm done with it and I kind of sit back and look at it and go, I can't believe I just made that, you know, and that's <laughs> not me being boastful or anything. It's just, I appreciate that I can end up doing what I turned out, you know, what I saw in my head ended up something I'm now holding <laughs> and it's just cool. Kind of surprising yourself, huh? Pretty much every yeah. time, you know. Uh, and you do have a lot of you have a lot of classical shapes that you do that are you know just traditional shapes, and I can see American and Danish styles, and the from the pictures they all look executed right on. Uh, do you prefer to drill first and then shape, or shape first and then drill? I do typically drill first and then shape. Um, you know, I definitely, I follow a lot of the guys that do the shaping first and mm -hmm. then do the freehand drilling. Um, I guess I've never really just been brave enough to do it that method, you know, again, too, because I, I'm limited on time that I get to work on them. It's kind of one of those where I would rather drill it first and know that I've got everything perfect before I go into shaping and everything. Um, it definitely brings its own challenges when it's one of these oddball pipes that I make, because then it's a constant checking the airway, checking the bowl depth and making sure that everything's going to work out and be a functional pipe. It's not <laughs> yeah. going to have any kind of hot spots or anything. So it brings its own challenges, but I just prefer that way. Or have a random third hole in it where it's not supposed to be. Exactly. We don't need a carb built into the pipe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, is there a traditional shaped pipe that that's, you know, one of those shapes that you're still having fits with that you want to make and just still pisses you off? Uh, not really. Um, you know, there's definitely, there's a lot of classic pipe shapes out there that I've just not tried yet. Um, you know, the blowfish is one of those that I've always thought that's a pretty cool looking pipe, but I've just never really gone for it to do the very traditional shape like that. I've done okay. kind of variations on it uh, before, just kind of for fun. Um, and I was happy with the way they turned out. I've also done my own kind of twist on one of them where the tail half kind of did a full swoop over and curved around, <laughs> which... I really enjoyed the way that it turned out. Um, the feel in the hand and stuff was really nice too. 
but I can't say there's necessarily a shape I've tried that really has driven me nuts other than maybe the impulse. (laughs) (laughs) I've made one of those and was definitely not my favorite type of shape to make. Um, you know, this one was basically a full bend, uh, was not necessarily my favorite thing to make. And honestly, I don't know if I'd make another one for that reason. <laughs> uh, where do your pipes start out at price wise? Um, really depends uh, really what somebody's looking for, but usually around 200 or so, um, you know, I make some odd stuff. So it really just depends on what somebody's looking for. I try and keep it to where it's affordable, but also is something that, you know, is going to pay for my materials and give me a little bit of something. So I try and stay reasonable and I've worked with people and stuff in the past to get them something they wanted. Yeah. Uh, best way to get a hold of you is. Uh, just message me through Instagram. Um, I think I even have my phone number up there. If anybody wanted to reach out to me or shoot me an email, um, if you want to email me, it's just jwhitehead3129 at gmail.com. But typically through Facebook or a direct message on Instagram is the easiest way and usually the fastest way you'll get a response from me. Josh, we'll wrap this up with the fast five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer, just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? Sure. What is your favorite pipe? Hmm. To be honest, I don't know if I have a favorite one. Um, I've had a lot of really great pipe makers uh, trade with me or send me something as a surprise. Um Probably one of my favorites for that reason uh, would be one of the Janos Kikanos yeah. uh, pipes that I got from him. Um, just a super nice guy, and therefore, I really enjoy the pipe. And what is your favorite tobacco? <sighs> Probably SPC Plum Pudding. <laughs> uh, what is your favorite drink in you cannot say Florida orange juice because we will not accept the commercial plug? Well, don't worry about that because I will not. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm a huge craft beer nerd. So I luck out because we've got a ton of local craft breweries around here. So you're in all those hoppy IPAs and double dark stouts and evil things. and I will try any of them. Some of them I will regret, (laughs) but I'll try just about any of them just because, uh, you know, I I am a nerd. I will track them in an app that I have and (laughs) tell myself what I liked and what I didn't like and if I should ever get it again. Uh, But, yeah, I'm really into craft beers and have been for quite some time. When it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? Probably uh, music, to be honest. Um, I go to work really early in the morning, and we have an hour drive. So music there, music on the way back. And then typically, if I try and read, I really do enjoy reading. But if it's after work, inevitably I'm putting myself to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Out goes Josh. And finally, do you have a favorite pipe smoking related memory? 
Um, not necessarily. Um, you know, it's usually a good time. I'm usually with a, one of my good friends that lives around here. Um, so anytime I can get together with friends, uh, or we have a local pipe club too, the St. Pete pipe club, uh, that's put on by one of the guys. It's a really nice guy around here. Um, anytime I can get together with those guys, it's always good. Josh Whitehead, thank you very much for coming on and doing this. And, uh, thanks for being, thanks for being uniquely creative in a, uh, in a bizarre way, which I enjoy. Thanks. I appreciate it. And we'll be back in just a minute. Since its beginnings in 1876, Savinelli has become more than just a pipe factory. It's become a lifestyle. From sourcing the finest Mediterranean briar and partnering with local artisans to acquire unique accents, to expanding their catalog each year with new innovative series, Savinelli produces high quality Italian pipes that serve as a reflection of your individual tastes. With a portfolio that ranges from rugged designs fit for the outdoors to elegant pieces destined for black tie galas, Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark. This is Internet Radio. And we're back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. Back to me and my gravelly voice. Um, so uh, thanks to Josh and uh, check out everything he's doing. And uh, one of the benefits of going to the Chicago Pipe Show is uh, I got to ch- I got to chat with Wayne Powers again and uh, you know, catch up with him and see what he was up to. So for music, guess what we get? Yeah, we, we get some Wayne Powers. And uh, this one is a live one from a couple of years ago, and it's called Don't Worry About Me. Don't worry about me.
You can catch up with everything Wayne is doing by going to his website, waynepowers.com. He's got a new album out and, uh, yeah, just a just a busy, busy guy. You've got some mail. And remember, if you have a comment or question, you can email it directly to me, Brian at pipesmagazine.com. That's B-R-I-A-N at pipesmagazine.com. Or you can post it on the Pipes Magazine radio show page, uh, just like uh, Dino does every week. And going back to last week's show, Dino says, uh, Kirk Smith. Pipe smoking journey is like so many of our own experiences that I smiled knowingly as he went through those early stages. He was a very good example of your journeyman pipe smokers. I really enjoyed your conversation. Fantasia is for me too a particular favorite among all the movies I like. Uh, the music choice did nothing for me, just meh. And then uh, screw them. <laughs> it was great sharing a bowl with you at the Chicago show. Papuli Dino. Yeah, it was good to see Dino. And then Casey Ghost says, The Pipes 101 Revisited was an enjoyable exercise. It was kind of surprising the things you can learn when you study things you thought you already knew. The interview with Captain Kirk was really enjoyable. I couldn't help but think back to the original Captain Kirk in the old Star Trek series. Uh, he wasn't a particularly good actor, but he made you pay attention. He had two subsequent TV shows, TJ Hooker and Boston Legal. In Boston Legal, he went really over the top with his acting. Okay, have a good time in Chicago and have a drink for me, Casey Ghost. Yeah, I I might have had a I might have had one or two drinks. It was uh, it was fun. All right, and uh, piping OCD in Sacramento says uh, Brian, I'm catching up on a few episodes that I had missed, and I really enjoyed your episode with Dan Croxel. I'm wondering how many other pipers are out there in the Sacramento area. I'm also wondering if I've possibly met Dan or ran into him at the Briar Patch. Yes, rest in peace, Briar Patch. I remember the shop in the mall, and they got booted out of there. They opened the shop in the strip mall area and got booted out of there as the owners wanted a yoga studio instead of a pipe shop. That location is where I first attend, attended the Sacramento Pipe Collector Assembly meetings. At these meetings, I got to meet the DeShanes who make phenomenal pipes. Haven't seen any from, anything from them in a few years. I hope they're doing well. Uh, Briar Patch then had a shop downtown by the Capitol, and with all the changes and regulations, they decided to close. Several years later, the sign is still on the building and no new tenant. One reason why I loved the Las Vegas International Pipe Show is I got to connect with Sacramento folks like Tim from TD Smoking Pipes who had a table next to Max Caps. I also got to reconnect with Isaac and Chad who are who are or were in the in the Sacramento area. More than a few people told me I needed to introduce myself to Phil Rivara and found out that he only lives about 15 minutes from my house. Sorry for running long. Your episode kindled a lot of memories and hope for future meetings with others in the area. Take care, James, uh, piping OCD in SAC. Uh, James, here's my suggestion for you. Uh, go on to uh, Pipes Magazine and go on to some of the pipe smoking forums and see if you can't start that group up again and maybe find a place to meet, maybe somebody's garage or uh, someplace. Yeah, just, just a suggestion. And then uh, Eric writes... <coughs> hi brian love your podcast as a new as a new pipe smoker i appreciate you taking the time to cover the base 
to cover some of the basics of pipe smoking. Something I would like to know more about are people's thoughts and experiences on smoking a pipe while driving on the commute or during a cross-country trip in their vehicles. It seems to me like it would be a precarious skill to manage your pipe smoking activities and keep control of your vehicle. I have a long morning and evening commute. Uh, I'm also about to take a trip from Montgomery, Texas to Birmingham, Alabama. I'm open to enjoying my pipe on the open road, but would love to hear from some seasoned veterans about how that might work. Uh, Thanks again. Oh, also, if you know of any great places to visit along my way, please let me know. I plan on making the pilgrimage to the Country Squire, and it's on my way. Would love to visit other pipe-related people and places. So if anybody knows of anything on the way from uh, Montgomery to Birmingham, give us a shout out. Also, if you go back into the archives, you'll find that I did some discussions about pipe smoking while driving. Uh, The main thing that I like to include is that I only use sandblasted pipes. I only use ones that have a little bit thicker walls because when you're in the car, the breeze blows in different directions and uh, you just want to make sure that you're not going to run the risk of burning out your pipe. Um, Also, I tend to uh, take the pipe out of my mouth when I'm getting into traffic or, you know, around a bunch of cars or stuff like that. And you do want to make sure that you have a place to rest it while you're in the car. So a little portable ashtray or something like that, because, you know, you don't want to be holding it and puffing and doing all that. Um, also, for a long trip, I tend to pack three, you know, whatever, what, however many pipes I pack them before I get in the car. And I do the charring light before I get in the car and get on the road. So there's my, uh, there's my tips for you. And then finally, uh, Chris writes, Hi, Brian, I'm a faithful listener and have often heard you say that we could send in some show suggestions. So here you go. Uh, I'm currently on a sabbatical and I'm planning a trip to Pennsylvania to visit the Boswell shop since it's fairly close to where I live and because my sons love those pipes. I started thinking about how I would really enjoy doing a pipe smoking pilgrimage. I thought, of in, I thought of an interesting question for some of your guests, especially the doctors of pipes and other experts. What is one destination that a pipe smoking pilgrimage must include? Or where is the best place for the pipe smoking pilgrimage to end? I'm thinking about artisan pipe makers, tobacco factories, renowned tobacconists and pipe shops, other historic locations that are significant to our beloved hobby, etc., Another question for the experts would be, what are the five most smoke, five must smoke tobaccos for anyone who is, uh, who is past the beginning stage and now considers himself or herself a lifelong pipe smoker? I'm not asking what are your five favorite tobaccos, but rather what are the five tobaccos that are so exemplary of their style or just historically significant that you can't be a serious pipe smoker and not have smoked them? I'm thinking Orlick, Golden Sliced, Nightcap, Three Nuns, Captain Black, uh, kidding, but maybe not, <laughs> Escudo, etc. Uh, thanks, Brian. These are things that just interest me and that I often think about and talk about with some of my pipe smoking buddies. Thanks for keeping it lighthearted, informative, and entertainment. Grace and peace, Chris. Uh, thanks, Chris. Yeah, so I'm putting those questions out there for all of you to write in and suggest, you know, what are the five quintessential pipe tobaccos i think i did a series of those back a couple of years ago where you know i broke down different styles by or different 
tobaccos by style and said that, you know, these are the quintessential of this style and that style. So maybe go back and find that. Um, you know, great pipe shops of the country. Uh, Ewan Reese in Chicago comes to mind. LJ Peretti in Boston comes to mind. And there's many more, but uh, I'd like to have everybody that, uh, all you listeners, hey, pipe in with your answers. All right, again, comments, questions, email me, Brian at pipesmagazine.com, JDRF auction items. Uh, if you've got anything, email me, Brian at pipesmagazine.com. And rant time is coming up next. Missouri Meerschaum Company has been continuously handcrafting authentic corncob pipes in the USA for over 150 years. They carry over 55 styles of cool-smoking corncob pipes, colonial-area clay pipes, and affordable hardwood pipes. From exciting new pipe and tobacco releases to accessories and more, Missouri Meerschaum Company is a must-see at www.corncobpipe.com. Missouri Meerschaum Company. Authentically original. Authentically you. Thoid Floor Men's Clothing. Suits, shoes, ties, trousers, cufflinks, going up. I beg your pardon, but on what floor might I find the luxury tobaccos, pipes, and accessories? Well, I'll tell you, pal, if it's those things you's looking for, you need to visit tinbids.com. Ah, yes, of course. You mean the Pipe Collector's Auction site, right? That's right, Mac. You can buy and sell pipes, accessories, and vintage and hard-to-find luxury tobaccos. You know, just like you were saying. So I can sell my pipes and tobaccos too? Why, that's just fine. Yeah, you bet your life, buddy. So, what'll it be? Can you take me to the floor where the computers are then? What's a computer? Visit TinBids.com, the pipe collector's auction site, and sign up today. Get your head out of your past. I said past. P-A-S-T. Get your head out of your past. All right? Uh, this weekend at the Pipe Show, I'm sitting there, and I realize I'm sitting next to Fred Hanna, Fred Janusik, and Marty Pulvers, and I'm looking at 140 years of pipe-smoking hobby experience. And then I heard some of the older folks around the table at a, at a different time complaining or, you know, reminiscing about the people that weren't there and about the tobaccos of old and how the pipes were this and that. Well, get your head out of your past. And that's exactly what I did, because I wanted to focus for a moment there that I was sitting and listening to Fred Hanna, Fred Janusik and Marty Pulvers talk about pipes. If I was reminiscing, if I was stuck in my past and only wanted to talk about that, I wouldn't have been able to sit and listen in on that conversation. So you need to stay focused in the present, be respectful of the past. We can't go backwards anyway. You can't go back to the days of yore and, you know, who wants to go back to covered wagons and, uh, you know, and homesteading anyway. 
but uh, you got to live in the future. You got to live in the present. And that's exactly what I ended up doing. And, and in the present, I noticed there was a whole bunch of brand new first time or two Chicago first time or two pipe show people. And I enjoyed meeting all of you and talking to you. There was a bunch of listeners of the of the show that came up to me, and I and I greatly appreciate when you do that. And if I was living in the past, I wouldn't have been able to focus on you and have conversations with you, meet some of my favorite Canadians. You know who you are, and so you got to you got to stay present. You got to stay in the present, with an eye on the past and an eye on the future. Stay in the present, and who knows? You might get a chance. You know, you might find a new tobacco that's absolutely your magical tobacco. But get your head out of your past, stay in the present, and look towards the future. All right, because we're gonna have more shows in the future. If you stayed in the past, you'd have to listen to the bad ones at the beginning all by yourself. So there you go. All right, comments, questions, email me Brian at pipesmagazine.com. JDRF auction items again, we appreciate those. And uh, the Las Vegas International Pipe Show, go to vegaspipeshow.com. Uh, rooms are booking up fast, and we've got a early booking offer where you could win a chance to get uh, where you could win three nights, three of your hotel nights comped for you at the show. So head over there. And uh, thank you very much to uh, Josh for joining me. Thank you again to everybody at Chicago for organizing a great Chicago pipe show. Thank you all for tuning in, and until next time. Clouds when we're together. Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy I'll say there's something kind of yeah about a kid that's never played baseball.